I want to talk tonight on, um, oh, it's a bit of a strange one, is it really? I want to talk on intentional living, living intentionally. Some of you say, oh, it's all right for you. I'm that busy, I can't even think about what I'm doing, never mind living intentionally. And we, we're all busy, aren't we, with the business, all right? I've got grandkids, I've got five grandkids, I've got five. Yes, last count I had five grandkids and one is just 12 months old. I can tell you what I'm doing every week from Saturday, I can tell you what I'm doing until the Sunday afterwards, almost minute by minute, with just the tasks that we have to do. But I want to turn that, because you're all busy, I know that, and I want you to think tonight about intentional living. I want you to think that your life, what you've got left of it, and I trust is many, many glorious years, and I trust the same for me, but let's live those lives um, with purpose, on purpose. Live your life with purpose, on purpose. And I've just said, so you think, well, I've got that much to do, I can't even think about that. But hey, I just want to show, uh, sow a few seeds into your heart tonight, or into your mind tonight so that we can live our lives intentionally, knowing the purpose of God in our lives and living it deliberately, setting out each day to live deliberately uh, for God. This has come to me like, perhaps, about six weeks ago, I had a mate. I did have one once, and um, I was at school with this kid, and uh, that's 50 years ago. Isn't that frightening when I was at school? And he used to be a leg spin, and I used to keep wicket. We used to have a laugh. Because he used to bowl these dollies down, you know. They were, they were rubbish. I mean, the batsman's eyes used to glare like this, thinking, oh, I'm going to knock this out of, the, out of the ground. And they'd miss it virtually every time. And we got loads of wickets with this lad. Ian Gibbs, his name was. He came to our school late, a lad from Stoke. And I never saw anything of him. This is 50 years ago, bear with the story. And I never saw anything of him. And then he came to an Alpha series at our church, probably about 10 or 12 years ago, out of the blue. And I found out that then his wife was related to somebody in our church. And uh, we were like as if we'd never been apart for that Alpha series. But then after that, like life is, life goes on, doesn't it? And I, I didn't see anything of him again. And then I heard that uh, he wasn't very well. And he got a problem behind his eye and perhaps a, a tumour and that kind of thing. And like, as a church, we prayed for this bloke. And then uh, I didn't hear anything of him again. And then just about five weeks ago on a Thursday night, we're coming to pray. And... Um, Somebody said, can you just pray for Ian Gibbs? And I'd almost forgotten his name, to be honest, you know? In the busyness of life, in doing everything every day. And uh, the next day, he passed away. And it was a, a kind of a shock to me. Um, like, he made his choice. I don't know what, how he chose, really, who am I to judge regarding eternity. But he made his choice. But I thought to, to myself, here I am, you know, uh, popping into church every week and most of the services and speaking occasionally and doing all of this. And regarding his life, I couldn't spare him any time in that final few weeks. And it hit me quite heavily, if I'm very honest with you. All right? It hit me heavily. And um, I, got, I just pray before God that what years I've got left, decades, centuries, or a few minutes, all right, that I can live my life intentionally, live it with purpose, on purpose. Hey, folks, make a difference. That's a bit of a strap line for our church, that is. Make a difference. Make a difference. I'm looking you all in the eye one at a time, but in your life, what you've got, make a difference. Live your life intentionally. Intention, if you look at intention, well, intention really, like you kind of, in the everyday things of life, is kind of turning your face to God in a situation. Now, I can do this literally sometimes because I don't work, see, I'm retired. So I have the time sometimes when something's facing me to actually turn myself. I'm a bit of a kinesthetic learner, you know, learning by doing. I don't do much nowadays, as you can see. But I, but I learn by doing. And so when, I, there's a, when there's a situation in my life, I will sometimes just look 
folks might think I'm mad, though I don't do it in public. I do it by myself. Just to consciously be determined to live my life with purpose and to listen in to God. If you read or listen to some of the, the, the modern worship songs, people talk about you know leaning in or pressing in with God. Different words come in and out, don't they, the, the Christian vocabulary. But with me, it's about turning my face to God, being open to his will in a situation, and it's a conscious action. See, as a retired bloke, I can drift through the rest of my life now, no matter how long it is, I can just drift through, I can meet my bills, you know, I've got a lovely wife, I've got great grandkids, we've paid the mortgage, you know, you might think, oh, you know, you're fortunate. And, and I'm blessed, and I can just live through, but I think that God wants more of me than just to live through, and he wants more of you, than just to live through. He wants you to live intentionally, to do things with purpose, uh, on purpose. You know, who you turn your face towards and what you turn your face towards is really significant in life. I could tell you a romantic story, but you think, uh, I'm so old that it would almost be sickening to, to even hear us. <laughs> so I'm going to spare you the details of that. But I'll just give you a little glimpse, you know, a little glimpse, or a little glimmer. That's about all that's left nowadays in my life is a little glimmer. But when my wife, I chased my wife for a while without her knowing it. And I first met her, and she, she'd come with another boyfriend. That's a, typical, that's a good start to a relationship in today, when they come into a gymnasium with another boy, a boyfriend. I thought, oh, she looks nice. It was in the 60s, so skirts were, you know, oh, dearie me. At 16, I, I couldn't cope, really. Talk about inflame the passions. I thought, oh, dear, where are we going with this? And I saw this girl, very nice. I didn't know then. Obviously, I was playing basketball against her boyfriend, you know. I didn't know it was her boyfriend. I ain't got a clue. But, I, uh, like, she's reminded me of that uh, since. Then I bump into her in Darlington Street Methodist Church in Wolverhampton, where there's a big combined rally of churches for, like, a Christmas kind of festival. And she and her sister, who's now Pastor Dave Baker's wife, all right? We married two sisters. You know, I had the choice, and he had Jill. <laughs> Oh, sorry, I, said, I should have said, she had the choice, shouldn't I? Oh, I got, I got that wrong. And they were singing a duet. It's Mary's boy, child, I can remember it now. And she walked out off the stage. I'm going into too much detail here, aren't I? Don't worry, it's not going to get X-rated or anything like that at all. I'm up in the balcony. I'm like, oh, dearie me, this is being, this is being recorded. Oh, dearie me. <laughs> I'm going to sanitise this from now on, OK? So I'm looking down off, off the balcony, you know, and in the prayer time, you know, when, when you're looking down, you know, and I see her get up out of her seat and go towards the door. I thought, I wonder where she's going. Well, I, I felt like going to the toilet at that precise moment. <laughs> I didn't really, but I thought I'd make the most of it. So I went down and she'd just gone through this door. Listen, I'd have been frightened to say anything to her anyway at that stage in life. But she went through this door and got in a car. Later, found out she was going to meet her boyfriend again. And uh, her dad had come to pick her up. So it was a bit of a, a lost cause. And then, out of the blue, her uncle and auntie, her auntie's still alive now at 96, and her uncle's passed away now. They, they are members of our church. And they walk in one holiday. I was 17, three months, 18 days. No, I wasn't. <laughs> but she walked into our church. Can you believe that, you know? She hadn't got a boyfriend. I'm not going to say anything about my situation at that time because it's been recorded. <laughs> but I saw her walk, I saw her walk in. And again, it was in that prayer time, that special time, when people under 20 sometimes, or no, people over 20, over 60, don't always pray, they just sometimes think or just look down. And I thought, I'll have a look at her. Is that naughty? And I, I looked. Guess what? You won't believe this. 
Go and guess. She's looking at me. I mean, what's the chances, eh? What are the chances? And uh, to you folks who are struggling in relationships, like, you know, I will do a seminar on this. But um, I was so smooth that all I could do, I was so embarrassed that she caught me looking at her, that all I could do was put my finger up like that. <laughs> I mean, how, how cool is that? How cool is that, you know? Hey, but it won the day. 48 years later, only made for 44, like we went out for a while. All right? And she's my wife, so you've got to be really careful where you look to. That was a long story to get to that point, wasn't it, really? But it is. Where you look to, what you look at, is really, really important in life. And so turning your face towards God in a situation is really important. You know that Abraham and Lot, they were related, weren't they? One's the uncle, and Lot was the nephew. And um, they got on really well together as an extended family. Brilliant, they got on really well. But their herdsmen were quarrelling because they couldn't find enough verbiage for, the, for their sheep to eat between them, so they were in fights over where they would uh, keep their flocks. So in the end, Abraham, being the older person, said to Lot, we're going to have to go our separate ways. There's just not enough ground here to, to look after all of our sheep. So they went up onto the mountain, and Abraham, what wisdom is this? He said to Lot, he said, you choose. So the younger man had the choice, and he looked out, and he said that his eyes set upon the well-watered plains of Sodom, he used his intelligence. He used everything that he got that he knew of in his senses regarding him being a farmer, and he chose Sodom. And if you can afford a generation, he loses all of his family in Sodom. So he chose what seemed to be right, but he, he lost all of his family. And you know that Lot's wife like, turned into a pillar of salt when they were escaping uh, from Sodom. So where you look to and what you look at, you have to be really careful uh, in life. And I'm suggesting to you that in situations where you're making a decision, and you make lots of them, all right, um, when it's a significant decision, I'm not talking about whether you blow your nose or not, let's not be silly, but when there's a significant decision to make, look Godward, bring God into your situation. Now, some of you will walk with God and know what I'm talking about here, and some of you, this will be a foreign language to you, and you've never even considered it. And I'm just going to tell you tonight, that consider this. Because God will reveal himself to you. Now, you might not see a ghost up the corner. In fact, I know you won't see a ghost up the corner. But you will find that God will make contact with you. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us when some folks are preaching. He speaks to us in lots of ways. But if you seek him with all your heart, what does the Bible say? That you will find him. He's not some mysterious thing that you can't find. God wants to be found of you. So be careful where you look. And I need to push on. Otherwise, I'll keep you here uh, most of the night, and I don't want to do that. Living your life intentionally. Uh, intentions is a, it's about decision and choices. So when you have your intention, it's when you're going to make a decision uh, or, uh, or a choice. And the Christian life, like any life, shouldn't be about just drifting along from day to day. Without intention, there is no proaction. Everything becomes a reaction. So unless you intend to do something, something will happen and you'll be reacting to it. But if you intend to do something, then you're involved in the proaction. So you can create what's happening. And if you turn to God as you intend to do things, then you can create things that are proactive. Hence, someone looked to God regarding the pantry down the road. And out of it has grown this thing of great blessing to the community and also to yourselves. So it's really important 
to be intentional, to live with purpose, on purpose. Now, I've been in enough church meetings uh, to hear this said. Oh, well, they're full of good intentions. What's that actually mean? They don't do nothing. All right? They're full of good intentions. They don't do anything. Intention itself doesn't achieve. But unless you have an intention, you don't even get started. So living intentional is the start to a productive Christian life. That's all I'm going to say to you tonight, really. If you want to be productive in your life, if you want to move your life up a gear, all right, if you want to trim your sails so that you sail more effectively, then live an intentional life. Have a Godward look over every decision that you make, every significant decision that you make. Have a Godward look. Bring God into your decision-making, and you'll see how your life will change. We know this because Jesus himself lived intentionally. He said that he would do nothing unless who had spoken to him? The Father. So even Jesus, who was part of the Trinity, part of God, in his earthly journey, he waited upon God the Father intentionally regarding decisions that he would make. We as Christian folks are to live Christ-like lives. That's what it means to live Christ-like lives, to follow the example of Christ. If he needed to live intentionally, if he needed to consider what God was saying to him, how much more do we need to consider what God is saying to us? In Jesus' life, um, he said, Verily, truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does, in John 5, 19. When Jesus was just 12 years of age, we all know he got left behind, didn't he, when he got up to pay the taxes. He got left behind, and when they came back after two or three days of walking, they found him, and he was talking to the learned people of his time. I didn't call Mary and Joseph, you know, uh, puffing and blowing, where on earth have you been? And his answer to them was, don't you know that I should be about my father's business? This is a 12-year-old lad. Listen, don't let anybody despise your youth. Nobody despise your youth. I've worked with people who say they've got 30 years of experience when I was a teacher. They say they've got 30 years of experience. They've repeated one year 30 times. They've got one year's experience. It's just taken 30 years to learn it. I know some folks who in three years can surpass the 30 years of experience because they've done different things. Don't let anybody ever despise his youth. God, Jesus was 12 when he realised that intentionally he wanted to be about his father's business. He says in Matthew 14, 23, this is after they fed the 5,000 and before they go on the sea and Jesus, uh, sorry, Peter uh, walks on water. He says that Jesus dismissed the crowd and then he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Listen, they just fed 5,000. He was the hero of the hour. Everybody wanted contact with him, but he intentionally said, I need to go and pray. I need to turn my face to God. I need to invite God into this situation so that I can live a life full of purpose on purpose. So he went up the mountainside to pray. That might be an intention that you might need to do. With the woman at the well, the start of that story, I, I, I hope most of you know the story about the woman at the well, you know, who had lost her husband and was living with a, a person who wasn't her husband, and Jesus revealed all of this to her. But at the start of um, the, the story, it said, Jesus said, I must needs go through... Samaria. Now, this is a place that most Jews wouldn't have gone near. They didn't want to. They never went through Samaria. They always went the long way around between the two places that they were walking. But here he is intentionally. 
I must needs go through Samaria. So waiting upon God his father, it was revealed to him that he needed to go through Samaria. I'm asking you folks to consider living your life intentionally, living your life with purpose, on purpose. I'm asking you folks on a daily basis, perhaps morning might be the best time, I don't know. When I was working, morning wasn't the best time. It's the best time for me now. But to turn my face Godward and to ask God to speak into my life regarding intention. Now I'm going to just leave three things with you and I'll fly through these because you're very patient. When I was a teacher, we used to work on slates with chalk, you know, and uh, some of you are still awake, some of you, some of you aren't. But it was, a while, it was a while back, and they used to talk about three R's, you know, the three R's. Important, aren't they, the three R's? So important that they couldn't spell them. You know, reading, writing, and arithmetic. All right, you see, you know, you're still feared, you, in Bethel. And the three R's, so I'm going to leave you tonight with three R's, all right? Three R's, three aspects of your life that you can be intentional about. And the first one is intentionally remember. And I've mentioned this to you before because this is big in my life because my dad taught me this, see. Remember, folks, to be grateful. You might be having the lousiest day that anybody could ever have as far as you think, all right? I'm going to tell you there are millions of people so much worse off than you. Millions, all right? Remember to be grateful. Develop, I've said this to you before, an attitude of? An attitude of gratitude. Develop an attitude of gratitude in your life. You think, well, Gary... You don't know how I'm living. I've got nothing. I've got nothing. Develop an attitude of gratitude. You can list in your mind the things that you need to be grateful for. Develop the attitude of gratitude. See, if you're grateful for something, it shows that you're not independent. Gratitude keeps you humble. If I'm grateful for that herbal that you offered me earlier, all right, it keeps me humble because I hadn't got a herbal. And you were giving me something that I hadn't got. So I wasn't independent. I couldn't save myself. I couldn't savour the perfections of that herbal unless, unless I turned round and I was grateful for it. Now, I said no, thank you, because I was just about to preach, but I'll have one afterwards if that's okay for the journey back. If there's, a, if there's any left between you. All right? So develop this attitude of gratitude, because it makes us humble. It's saying we rely on somebody else. And you know something? You might have tried to make your own way in life, but I'm going to tell you, you can't make heaven on your own steam. And that, you might think, well, Gary, how do you know that? Why shouldn't I be able to? I'm just saying, this is God's plan for mankind on earth, that we don't make heaven on our own steam. Nobody can live a life that's good enough to make heaven. Jesus gave his life so that we put our faith in him. And it's his life that takes us to heaven. It's our belief in him. Even that belief comes from him because naturally in my mind I don't think that should work at all but somehow faith is sparked in my life and I realise that actually this is God revealing this to me and as I accept that so I know my sins forgiven and so I know a relationship with God. Remember then to be grateful. Remember that God has made a fantastic provision for you. I'm just going to list them. I haven't got time to go in. But in Psalm 103, it says this. You can quote it for me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Thank you. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The last time I was here, I spoke a little bit about this. Because some of us get a bit haughty about being on benefits. Now, I'm not on universal benefit. I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not going to make any comment because you, you, some of you will have experienced it. 
But I'll tell you something, I'm on God's benefits. I'm on God's benefits. I'm on the welfare tonight. I'm on God's welfare for me. If you look in Psalm 105, it says this. He heals all our, sorry, he forgives all our iniquities. He heals all our diseases. Now, you say to me, well, Gary, he doesn't. You prayed for Ian Gibbs and he died. Listen, it's appointed unto man once to die. If I'd have prayed for Ian and Ian had been healed that night, all right, then he would still have had to die somewhere down the line. All that God's word tells me to do is to pray for him. What happens after that, that's God's will. But I'm still there to pray for him. My dad was stone deaf for the last 30 years of his life. Um, and he prayed every day and he would say, Gas, uh, Gary probably he'd say, Gary, I believe that God can heal me. I believe that God can heal me. And he went, he went stone deaf to his grave. But every day he walked in faith, believing. He wasn't stupid. Some folks say that's idiotic. Every day for 30 years. I'm telling you, he was a phenomenal example to folks around about having a sweet attitude and a sweet heart in church. That wasn't his wife. A sweet heart, as in a gentle heart in church when he's actually he's stone profoundly deaf. A great example to me. These are part of the benefits. He said he redeems our life from destruction. You know, I've got a bias in my life as a kid and all through life I've got a bias to do what's wrong. All right? There's a war over my soul. It still wages now. It still wages now on a daily basis. Because I've got an enemy of my soul who wants me to do wrong. And God wants me to live to his glory. And there's a, there's a war going on all of the time. And so I just need uh, to be aware that Jesus has redeemed my life from the destruction that's in there out of a natural bias that I have towards doing sin. And he's paid a tremendous price. You know, the value of something is, is what? It's what somebody will pay for it. All right? That's what the value is. If you're trying to sell an old clapped-out car... Right, how much is it worth? It's worth what somebody, one person, will pay for it. It might be five times its real value, but if you can sell it for that price, that's its value, because they've, they've bought it. When I consider the value that God puts on my life, it's measured by how he bought my life. And he bought my life with the death of his own son. I've got a son, all right? I've got two grandsons. I don't want to give them up. God didn't want to give them up, but this was part of God's plan. Who am I to say, God, that was a silly plan, that was a stupid plan, that plan doesn't make sense. God made it available to us, so all we needed to do is to believe it. I haven't got to pay a million pounds because I haven't got it. I haven't got to live somewhere, go somewhere, climb something, do something. No, I have to believe, and that's what I have to do. And that's the challenge. Some folks will say, well, that's just too easy. It might be too easy, folks, but that's what we have to do. That is the plan of salvation that we believe. So he redeemed my life from destruction. He's crowned my life with kindness and mercies. He satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. I could do with a bit of youth like the eagles. I would love a bit more youth. And like the, you're so blessed, you know, so blessed uh, to be young, uh, optimistic and enthusiastic. When you get into my age, you tend to be grumpy and miserable and sceptical. So fight it, you contemporaries of mine, fight it. We're not going to be a sceptical age group. We're not going to be a grumpy, miserable, complaining age group. It used to be like this. Well, it doesn't matter what it used to be like. We're here now. It's what happens tomorrow that counts, not what happens uh, before. That's in the, past, in the past. So in the three R's, I want you to remember to be what? Thank you, thank you. One person is listening. Well, well done. The second R, 
the, third, the second I is to retain and the, and the third I is to release. So we've got to remember, retain, release. You'll forget most of what I've said tonight, but if you can remember the three R's, remember, retain, release. These will be triggers to your memory so that when you wake up in the morning, you can turn your eyes Godward, live intentionally by remembering, retaining, and releasing. We've covered the remembrance. Remember to be grateful. Now, here we come with the retain. Uh, in Proverbs, it says, guard your heart, because out of it flow the issues of life. So retain your heart, guard your heart, because out of it flow the issues of life. That's old-fashioned language. Issues are decisions that you make, actions that you do, or actions that you don't do. The issues of life. Who you live with, where you go, do you change your car, do you do... The issues of life, the decisions of life. Guard your heart, because out of your heart flow the decisions. Can I just give you just a, a little bit of something, especially to younger folks, perhaps, all right? Guard your heart. Be very, very careful who you share your heart with. I don't mean not be open with your parents and have a, a good uh, discussion, but guard your... Retain it. Don't give your heart easily. Your heart is precious to God, all right? And God has got someone planned for you, because this is his plan, uh, for you to give your heart to. But guard your heart. Ensure that who you're giving your heart to is the one that God wants you to give your heart to. Because uh, this is an old bloke talking there. You say, well, it's all right for you. You're an old bloke. All right? But it saves an awful lot of heartache if you get that right. Guard uh, your heart. So retain your heart. And then finally, release. All right? And uh, hey, folks, how about releasing a bit of generosity? All right. What does God love? He loves a, what kind of giver? A cheerful giver. Who here likes to give cheerfully? You can own up, because some of you do. Otherwise, folks, you wouldn't have that ministry going on down the road. Unless you'd given cheerfully, it wouldn't be there. And it is there. So praise God. God loves a cheerful giver. And we can give it anything and everything. You know that. We haven't got to give cash. You know that. Sometimes cash just isn't the answer. You know that. But God wants us to be cheerful in our giving. So what I'm going to ask you to do is release some joy. Release some generosity. I'm going to get to your faces in a minute. You're going to be persuaded soon. It's going to show on your faces, I hope. All right? Release some of that. You haven't, because you're a Christian, got to release grumpiness. You haven't got, it's not compulsory. You haven't got to be grumpy. You can be full of joy. You say, Gary, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm going through either, do you? You don't know what I'm going through. But God wants me to release something. If he wants me to release his influence on this planet, then in his presence, there is what? Fullness of joy. Thank you very much. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. There is no room if I'm going to release something for me to release grumpiness. And I thank that little baby there at the back for just reminding me of what I've just said. And I'm drawing uh, to uh, a close in this. So be generous in your presence and your presence in your time and your talents. Smile and support. Hey, folks, as Christians, we shouldn't be small-hearted. We should be big-hearted. Looking at your faces tonight, you're big-hearted. What you've done for folks down the road, who many of you say, well, they don't deserve it. Oh, I know what they spend their money on. If they spent their money wiser, they wouldn't need to come in here. All right? We can have all the comments, but your big-heartedness, your generosity is a reflection of Jesus Christ, and it's effective. And out of that, many people will be won into his kingdom. Your sphere of influence as a church, because normally your sphere of influence is just your friends. Well, we all know that you've got no friends. So that, that, that's that one cut out. Oh, 
I'm only joking. I'm, I'm only joking. You haven't got to fold your arms and stare at me. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. All right. But actually, sometimes we're a bit of a Billy Noel mate, aren't we? I mean, if you were brought up at my age, all right, it's almost a badge of honour in church if you haven't got any mates who weren't Christians. It's like a badge of honour. So when you get to my age now, who have I got to reach to? Who have I got a sphere of influence in? So I need to develop those relationships so that God, through me, we can have a sphere of influence. And by opening that down the road, you've increased your sphere of influence. These are people who want to know what makes you tick so that you provide that down the road. All right? There will be great fruit. All right? I'm not a prophet, but there will be great fruit from what you're doing down the road. So well done. So I'm going to finish. Go from here tonight. By the time you wake up in the morning, consider this. I'm going to live intentionally. I'm going to live with a purpose. On purpose. I'm going to deliberately live. I'm not going to let just every day just go by running one into another. Rep repetition. I'm going to bring purpose. And in those three areas of remembering to be grateful... Retaining your heart, because out of it flow the issues of life. And release some joy in the area that you are. And if we do that, I'm sure we'll be fruitful for God's kingdom. I've got no doubt. You're a great church, so bless you. Thank you for listening so well. Thank that baby uh, for listening so well as well. And I'll let them go to their mum. Thanks very much. Bless you.